Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Leading the Way. My name is Gerard Green. I'm the Vice President of Product Marketing at HighSpot. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Hoffman, Senior Product Marketing Manager at Akinia. In this episode, we're discussing changes in buyer behavior and what marketers can hope to expect in the future. Thanks for joining me, Sarah. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, as you said, my name is Sarah Hoffman. I'm a senior product marketing manager at Akinio. Uh, we're the leading provider of product experience and product information management software for brands, retailers, and, and commerce businesses. Um, but I myself have been in product marketing for the really the last five years. Like many product marketers, I really first got into the space by, I started in customer success. Um, and then from customer success, knowing a bit about the, the product that I was working on um, in a SaaS startup uh, based out of Boston, I then kind of moved into a project management role, did a bit more surrounding customer experience and eventually landed in a product marketing role, um, fell in love with the, you know, really all the key components uh, that make up our jobs and, and have stayed in it today. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It, uh, I've yet to meet a product marketer who started in product marketing, right? I always find folks who've kind of had different paths, whether it's from product, from corporate marketing, from customer success and services, uh, even sometimes enablement. So phenomenal journey. Thanks for sharing that context. Um, Let's continue on the path of context. Um, let's jump into the Wayback Machine for a minute. We've seen some major changes in the world, and obviously that has implications on the sales and the B2B and the go-to-market world. Let's go back to 2019, uh, early 2020. Talk a little bit about what you saw in terms of buyer behavior pre-pandemic. Um, what's changed? What's stayed the same? What's what's different? Let's, let's go back in a time machine and think a little bit about buyer behavior in the pre-pandemic world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much has changed, but I think if we think back to, you know, 2019 or, or early 2020, a lot of marketing teams, especially in the B2B space, you know, they were picking up and a lot of their leads getting a lot of buyer intent through things like, you know, webinars, um, even in-person events. So, you know, so much of that has really changed, of course, with the pandemic just drastically, you know, taking out in-person in events for the most part. Um, and, and really what we saw was the rise. And I think a little bit the fall of no webinars and webinar attendance, unless your content is really, really, really good. Um, so that emphasis on having great content has, has happened. But I think another thing that has really stayed the same, um, you know, for back in 2019 is this, there was an emphasis starting to happen on, on personalization and relationship building. And I think that's always going to remain true because when, you know, when you have a buying committee, your, your buyer, your number one champion or that lead evaluator, as they're going around and assessing different solutions, they're putting almost their business reputation, their, their professional reputation on 
you know, on the line uh, when they're going around saying, hey, I really think we should buy you know, this product or we should really move forward with this. And I think making sure that, you know, that buying committee and that lead evaluator has all the information that they need. Um, and there's an emphasis on, you know, relationship building and personalization for that person as well um, has stayed the same, whether it's 2019 or 2022 today. No, that's awesome. Yeah, we've certainly seen that notion of uh, buyer enablement, making sure that they have all the tools and resources they're going to need to make an informed decision. And I love the notion of recognizing the ability to, you know, make sure that they put their reputation on the line that we support them, not just through the initial purchase, but through the full journey, the full life cycle, which is probably a little bit of where your customer success skills uh, kind of come into play. So that's, so that's phenomenal. Well, when we think about what what has changed, what what hasn't changed? You touched on this a little bit, but what what hasn't changed? What would you say some of the most significant changes have been that you've noticed? Uh, and then how do we kind of see those things speeding up into what we may believe would have already happened down the line anyway? Or do we have it all wrong? Has the pandemic and the disruptions it caused led us to new paths and new ways? Or did it just accelerate what we were already doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think in a lot of ways, it, it made us, we had to become probably more creative as marketers faster than we may have needed to in, in the past. Some of the, the things that we had relied on um, might, didn't really, you know, they weren't potential avenues, um, again, like those in-person events or really like the webinar fatigue. And we saw a lot of companies and, and marketers had to start thinking, you know, how do I meet my buyers, you know, where, where they are in, in different ways, whether it was, you know, introducing almost virtual happy hours. We once hosted a, we shipped everyone their own pizza making kit and, you know, invited a whole bunch of prospects to come to this live chef, you know, pizza virtual making um, prospective event. And it was, it was things like those type of shifts that really, I think marketers had to just start embracing maybe faster than we would have ever um, needed to. And I think buyers started to become more and more used to you know, doing things outside of their, their normal, you know, we read a white paper, we go see an analyst, we you know, learn, you know, I really became about human, human marketing during that time as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The ability to kind of build, uh, again, a lot of the trust you talked about the ability to connect with just human beings on a different level through that time of things that I, I, I hope we continue to do. I hope that wasn't a fad. I hope that's something that's, that's definitely um, here to stay. Um, was that in the bucket of something that may have surprised you? Were there any trends or changes that did surprise you? Any dark horses, uh, things that, you know, maybe took you by surprise going through what we went through during that time? Yeah, I, I think really for me, I don't know that there were any crazy dark horses, but I do think it's that the blurring of the lines between that traditional kind of consumer buying behavior that we think about with B2C and more of the, the B2B buying behavior kind of merging into that as, as well. I think pieces of that were you know, accelerated just because our buyers had more time at home. They spent more time shopping during their lunch 
breaks, whether it was for, you know, traditional B2C, like different clothes or consumer items, but also they were doing research on different, you know, potential softwares or B2B um, buys that they might be, have the intention of, of making. So nothing that super surprised me as a dark horse, but I think the blurring of the lines was really the thing that kind of surprised me the most through that time. Awesome. Awesome. What's, um, what's an example of something you, you went through during that time? You talked about the, the pizza making kits and, and those being well received. Did you see anything from other product marketers or marketing organizations that struck you as creative, interesting, exciting things that we could steal and put in our toolkits? Yeah, I think the the continued rise in community was something that I thought a lot of you know companies were really started to put an emphasis on due to that time of just that we were all spending so much more time, you know, those of us who were able to do our jobs at home, um, which I, you know, lucky to be one of them, but, you know, the, the emphasis on having communities and not just kind of pushing, you know, content, content, content constantly on people, but being able to interact with others, um, I think was, was a great, you know, whether it's through the PMA, which, you know, is what brought me actually to you guys here, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but it allowed me to connect with some other product marketers in, in the space too, um, who, and I think businesses that were able to do that um, were, did a, did a great job through community. I'd, I'd also say, you know, the, the companies that started being a bit more human first, the ones who started offering, you know, um, even even here at, at Aquino, there was a pretty large, most of our team is actually based in Nantes, France. Um, there was a pretty big outbreak at some of the school systems there uh, a couple last spring. Um, and what we saw there was, uh, you know, our CEO came out and said, for anyone who has children at home, whose schools have now been shut down, like you get the next two days just completely off. And it was those type of things. Um, or companies that I saw where they'd be posting or sharing their Zoom happy hours of their employees all getting together. It's really that rise of like culture and seeing businesses beyond just businesses that I think some companies were able to do a really good job of taking almost their, their brand and their cultural values and, and bringing that, that forward as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. It was it was heartwarming in a lot of ways to, to go through. We went through, obviously there's a lot of pain and heartache on the other side, but there was uh, just like a lot of humanity kind of coming through a lot of things we did and to see that kind of play out in our space, I, I thought was phenomenal. Um, speaking of shifts and, and just kind of shifting gears a little bit, um, we are now working with both multi-generational buying teams and multi-generational sales teams. So we got, we got boomers in the committee, we got Gen Xers, we got millennials, we got... Yeah, Zoomers, um, you know, when you think about these cohorts or you think about the, these generations, what, what would you say that each of these generations should be or how should these generations be considered by marketing teams? Um, you think it's a mistake to pin them to a certain stereotype or, or an entire swath of a generation? Or do we do we find a better way to, to serve their needs knowing what we know about these cohorts in a macro? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much talk about the Zoomers and, and Gen Z and, <laughs> and the ways that they're pushing businesses, which I do think can be really positive. I do think that, you know, their emphasis on 
sustainability, on ethical sourcing, on you know what's the carbon footprint, um, that has started to, to play a larger role in the way that marketers and, and salespeople need to address um, you know, their potential buyers. But I agree, you know, that if you, you know, just put the stereotype of an entire generation and say, no, I typically sell to, you know, this type of, of generation, you're, you're going to be missing again, that, that personalization and, and that human touch um, that I think is required to really have, have that great sales cycle. So, you know, at Akinio, we're really focused. We did a, a buyer persona study. Um, so we have a sense and we can guide our sales teams on here's the typical profile of who you're going to be talking to. Here's what they care about the most. Um, but I think if you were to just stereotype and say, because, you know, they're a boomer, they're going to have a lot more hesitancy. Um, it, it could be a part of it. But if they're the CTO at a, you know, top performing tech company, you know, a lot of the those stereotypes just aren't going to apply. So mm -hmm. I would say using the framework of a, of a buyer persona study, um, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you can, is is really my recommendation on the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. You touched on personalization a few minutes ago, and I do think, you know, informed by, by research studies, informed by, you know, your win-loss analysis, informed by your ongoing conversations, you can put together to, you know, loose persona guides on what these are, but I'm, I'm hearing it's a balance between, you know, hyper generalization of all boomers sound and look and talk and have these expectations um, against, well, here are some of the common characteristics of the folks in this cohort. Here's some things you need to be mindful of as a seller or marketer uh, as you engage with, with these audiences. Did I hear that correctly? Exactly, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Um, in the same vein of kind of pulling context into the decisions you make, let's talk a little bit about data. Um, how would you say buyers should best leverage analytics? Are there things that our audience should think about in terms of key performance indicators that uh, they absolutely need to pay attention to versus what can be ignored. What are the things you look at as a product marketer as you evaluate performance and what good looks like or, or where you may need to double click in to, to go get more? Yeah, absolutely. So I really think right now as, as marketers, we're actually swimming in data. <laughs> I think we... We are really in a time where we just... We almost have so much data we could analyze any little thing. And I think what it really comes down to is of course, what is your, you know, what's your business strategy? Cause if you're running a brand awareness campaign, that's going to be entirely different than, you know, what we run as a, a PLG campaign to drive people through our free trial and, and that conversion rate. So, you know, I, I think what's more important than the, the actual analytics are going to be what can you draw insights from? Um, we, of course, are still very focused on the marketing team on our CAC, um, that cost of, of customer acquisition, uh, lifetime value is important. And then weekly, we are checking in on, you know, our MQI to MQL to SQL conversion rates to opportunities opened because, of course, we want to be making sure that we're giving our sales teams um, high quality high quality leads and that we're able to identify where, um, you know, we're providing the most value um, and, and where there might be gaps in our sales cycle that we need to continue to push them along. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I, I, I'm triggered a bit by the notion of we're swimming in data <laughs> because we are. So you know, having an understanding of kind of what's on your scorecard, what, what's your area of focus um, makes it really important. I, I've also noticed there for what it's worth that, um, you know, we tend to get caught in, um, you know, you call them vanity metrics, the things that kind of make marketers look good. But ultimately, as you communicate those metrics and KPIs to other teams, they don't, they don't always make sense to them. They don't always see kind of the impact that these numbers have on their numbers. And so we run the risk of, I think, sometimes speaking uh, over uh, our partners or over the heads of our partners, which can kind of create uh, some friction. Because you're right, there's no there's no limits to the amount of data we could get about our buyers, our competitors, our industries. There's there's a lot out there. So it's good to know you, you, you've narrowed that scope. And then um, one final question for you. Um, is there anything you believe, as best as you can tell, as you look in your crystal ball, uh, what should marketers start preparing for now so that when things happen in the future, they're not caught off guard? My, my father said the best way to, you know, the best way to get ready is to stay ready. Um, this is that same notion. What should marketers uh, get ready for um, so that they're not caught off guard to something come along the path in the not too distant future? Yeah, absolutely. So I really do think it's about people, processes, and, and technology and having the right things of, of the right pieces of each of those things in place. Um, because I think once you have those things, you have the right messaging, it doesn't really matter what channel is next. It's that your your team is ready to have the message, the assets, et cetera, and that consistent brand, you know, image and values um, brought forth no matter what channel comes next. And I think that's really the the biggest thing, you know, whether it's the metaverse, uh, whether we continue to see, you know, the the skyrocket in, in e-commerce, whatever it is, people online, but you know, if we think about those who are more B2C marketing, like research online, buy in person, uh, free trials, all that type of stuff, you know, as long as you have your messaging and the systems, people and processes in place, you're going to be ready for whatever that channel is next. Um, I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We hear about you know, kind of AI driven, you know, AI generated content seems to be a big topic. We're not going to be out of jobs, right, Sarah? We're still going to have stuff to do, correct? Absolutely. I, <laughs> I don't think they'll ever, <laughs> I, I think we'll always have plenty, plenty to do, but I, I think it's being prepared for, for things like that. I think we're also in the age of you know, people starting to, with that AI generated content, it's going to be that fine line between creepy and, <laughs> and really, and really personal, you know, it's, you, we all have been there. We've been like, wow, how do you, how did Starbucks know that I was, you know, just walking past one a few minutes ago mm -hmm, and now I have mm -hmm. a rewards coupon too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's going to be that really, really fine line of, um, but it, but it's exciting. And I think that's one of the, the pieces of right now, the way that just technology has changed the way that buyers buy and marketers market. And it's, it's a really, really cool time to be on this, you know, on this journey as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I also triggered on the notion of that fine line between hyper-personalized and creepy, uh, know me, but don't, don't know me too well. And, um, you know, a lot of times if you can plant the seed to get me to do something later. It's just as effective as getting me to do it right now. So I, 
I 100% agree and support that. And I do believe we as product marketers, marketing leaders in general, are going to be the folks who shape and define that future. We're going to kind of write what that line looks like, how thin it is or how thick it is. We're going to we're going to draw it. And I'm, uh, I'm excited for the future as well. So I could probably talk to you all day, but I want to be conscious of your time and our audience's time. And, uh, you know, what would, uh, would, would you do? Um, is there anything, final thoughts, comments you'd like to leave with the audience here that's tuned in to, to hear you share some of your wisdom with us? No, I mean, this was great. I hope, you know, all the listeners are able to get something valuable out of this. And I appreciate you, you know, taking the time to have this conversation with me. Of course, my pleasure. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. It's nice to meet you. Nice to talk. And uh, we'll see everyone on the next uh, episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in for the latest episode of Leading the Way. If you're looking to enhance your sales enablement credentials, Product Marketing Alliance has just a ticket in the form of sales enablement certified. No matter where you're at in your product marketing journey, this course is packed with real life examples, case studies, expert tuition, templates, and activities that you need to build and scale awesome sales and open programs. Delivered by Sapphire Reels, Director of Portfolio and Integrated Marketing at Pluralsight, the course will help you articulate the importance of sales enablement and sell it internally, design a sales enablement program from scratch based on business objectives and sales needs, launch and iterate sales enablement programs, demonstrate the importance and impact of sales enablement on the business and revenue generation. Enroll on the course now at pmmalliance.co forward slash sales enablement certified and get all the tools you need to design and launch impactful sales enablement programs.